0: friends welcome once again to the perfect bound podcast this is a podcast all about anything and everything comic books and comics related brought to you by the panel jumper and comics friends and my name is ben with me as always is chris casso hello nicole lamb hello and of course cole hornaday hey there how's everybody doing this fine evening Okay. What's yeah. this we got here in front of the table?
1: It's, it's a, little a little tiny. Uh, uh,
2: tiny dude, wave. he's been sitting there for weeks. <laughs> I know. He <laughs> has been sitting he's there. He's
1: got a layer time, of dust me. on him. He does. Yeah, I was trying to find something else to put up here and I couldn't find it. So I was like, little, little sound wave. This was a gift from a customer. I think this is from like, a, oh yeah, there it is. Loyal Subjects. It's like a weird little mystery toy thingy that they licensed and we got a little sound out of it. All right. <laughs>
0: um joe hill is going to be writing and overseeing a new line of dc horror comics um yeah it's uh <sighs> <I'm> sorry
3: <laughs>
1: that, like, that photo of joe hill looked like a perfect police <laughs> shot it is
3: oh it does look like <laughs> a if you like go like to
0: ew.com entertainment weekly which is the link will be in the show notes it does look like a mug shot from joe <laughs> hill a very timid mugshot. Like a terrible
3: yeah. yellow paint in the background. Yeah. yeah.
0: So he's uh, he he's always claimed that comics is his first love. He's written a d- bunch of novels, but of course he's uh, he authored Lock and Key, mm-hmm. which is a fine horror comic. Well, he's going to be overseeing a new pop up line of horror comics at DC titled Hill House Comics, and he's going to be writing quite a few writing quite a few
2: of them
1: himself. Yeah. That's a good name for a publisher publishing imprint for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I
2: like it. Yeah. It's interesting that. His dad worked out a similar deal with Marvel. And did you know adaptations of the Gunslinger books or Dark they Tower They didn't books. have a catchy name. <laughs> no, actually, they didn't. And they got and they really only focused on, on I think the Stand, and uh, the Dark Tower mm-hmm. series. And it went all the way into the weeds. I lo- I'm sorry, I lost interest in them really fast, even though yeah. both the books are some of my favorite King books. But I actually, yeah, did you I like I, them? I well, I
0: haven't read the Stand. I was I was as you know we were talking about yeah. that earlier. I might. Try to get into it if it's a direct adaptation of the book. Uh, maybe I won't if it's just in-world. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I read the first series of The Gunslinger, um, and I'm probably not going to read anymore. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: All right. So anyway. How about Joe
3: Hill, though? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't know We're talking I, about him, I, yeah, we talking about
2: <laughs> I, I love the Lock and Key series I have never read Any of his novels
3: Well his Nosferatu Is being yeah. uh, a TV show soon Right
2: I saw that So what I would recommend
1: you do is read His comic book The Wraith
3: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. It came out After the novel Nosferatu But you could read them In any order Because he jumps All over the timeline With both books hmm. And uh, the Wraith Is starring The main character From Or the main villain Character from Nosferatu
2: Um Max Charlie Max so uh, watching the time uh, or excuse me i uh, watching the the trailer for Nosferatu it's she's a is she a monster hunter? No. And he bounces through time? Unless they change. Wow, that trailer looks really funky. He's read
3: the novel, so he can speak to okay. that,
2: right? Yeah,
1: uh, Charlie Minx is like a psychic vampire. Okay. And in this world, people have essentially the shine, the shinin, Um And uh, <laughs> they, everybody has a different ability. And her ability is to find lost things. Right. And his <clears> ability <throat> is that he can travel through dreamscapes but he does it in his car the wraith and he takes children to a place called christmas land where they can live forever and be happy forever and he feeds off their happiness and he kind of thinks he's doing them a solid um but they turn into little horrible leech parasite monsters with many teeth yikes mm-hmm. yeah the art's um, really cool and creepy okay. in that yeah cool. yeah so i would recommend read the comic first mm-hmm. of wraith and let that launch you if you're interested in the world he builds there but
2: what if I don't want to be launched? Oh, okay. You could just start g- in g- a Gently process? rolled into? <laughs> <laughs> Tumbled. Tumbled. Tumble me. <laughs> uh, All serious. right.
0: Anyway, Hill House Comics. Which there's five uh, five comics. couple will be written by uh, Joey Hill himself. All in the links in the description. So let's uh, move on. And hey, let's, you know, let's check in with what those crazy kids over the Stumblebound are doing. See what they have to say. Uh, who knows how many drinks into the evening they are by this point.
2: I love you guys so <laughs> much.
0: Let's throw to that. You are my
2: bestest
0: friend. Now let's throw to that. Every time I hit record, I want to start the intro, but I don't need to. Thank you, Ben. Thank you for throwing to the StumbleBound podcast. Thank just, you, sober Ben. I just threw to myself. That sounds kind of weird. Okay. So roll bad. with it. Is anything like Todd? Ta- Never mind. Roll with it. Anyway, we are here back at the StumbleBound HQ. My name, of course, is Ben. I'm here with my good friends Chris Gassaud. Hello. Cole Hornaday. Hey there. And, of course, joining us again is Webster Polk. Say hello, Webster. Webster. Cheers. You're your nickname is Wick, and I never call you that, no. and uh, what, what, what's that nickname come from? What's, it, what's its origins?
4: Uh, complicated story. It's uh, <laughs> totally a joke by my father to my mother. It's great. Okay. Uh, it's, it's very convoluted. Uh, friend of the family, Alzheimer's, called people Wickerbill. Mm. And when I was born, this is why you don't let your husband <laughs> fill out the paperwork. My it, He worked it into my legal name. Really? Yeah. So I, I can know legally that. fill forms out that way if I wanted to, <laughs> mm. which worked great when I was doing Columbia House CDs. I had like two <laughs> accounts <laughs> oh. because I was getting like all these extra CDs. But then it turns out that you actually have to pay for them. And yeah, yeah, yes. yeah kind of a do. bummer. Yeah.
0: Um, anyway, we're here. We're drinking, we're drinking <laughs> beer. We're drinking the Elysian Brewing Space Dust IPA. This This is the special 1950s edition moon landing uh, 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 bottle. Sorry. I mean, 1969, 50th anniversary of the moon landing. So it's a new, it's a special cover. It's a special bottle. It's just got a picture of, I'm assuming, is either Neil Armstrong or Buzz Aldrin on the front in their space suits on the moon. They're all different. Mine's a rocket
2: going off. Oh, it looks perfect. Well, the perfect. graphic They're on the, the there's different graphics on the box too that that imitate um, a TV. Um, uh, yeah, with the dials on the side and the big screen—not big screen—is rather a small screen, um, and this grainy. Um, static vertical static lines, scan lines right. um, across the image, which so, is kind of genius.
0: Anyway, like we like like we said, this is the 50th anniversary of the moon landing, so I'd just like to give a cheers to cheers. Neil Armstrong for being the first man to walk on the moon, to Buzz Aldrin for punching a moon landing <laughs> denier right. in the face, damn right, and cheers to man to, to Michael Collins for going all that way by having to stay in the car. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Yeah, that poor guy. I just heard an interview with him the other day on the Michael radio. Collins. Yeah, hmm. that's Anyways, it. it's, 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 it's a, a very cool short end of story.
0: story. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> like some people remember him. It's getting to that point where I'm so. Uh, this is why I don't normally drink before we do the show because I like to keep a clear mind and a clear speech pattern. Because I my speech pattern is slurred enough as it is without having to drink an 8.2% um, beer. Anyway.
1: I've never seen a beer uh, with an expiration date, or have I just not been looking?
0: Experienced by they oh. usually print
4: it's it. It's an on IPA, the, they so that's for, on the
2: bottle. You know, ah, okay. that's for Somewhere douchey hipsters. on the okay, okay, yeah, because okay. okay. they care about like that. Gotcha. No, we it's know.
4: it's on Budweiser too. Is it's it actually really? on oh, every. So it's not? Every beer has it. Well, you know, thanks, for okay.
2: ruining no. my prejudicial theory. <laughs> so,
0: so a friend of mine. Sorry, hipsters. A friend of mine, uh, Dan. We've talked about Dan before on the show. He's uh, he's a Patreon supporter, right? And um, he is probably the <laughs> one of our few audience members who actually enjoys the stumblebound portions. <laughs> <laughs> so, this one's for you, Dan. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about comic book TV shows. Um, both new and old. We mentioned The Walking Dead earlier today, and how none of us watch it anymore. (laughs) But Amazon is doing Paper Girls,
1: yeah. Um, I really like the book, Mm -hmm. I'm really hopeful. Um, it makes sense because Paper Girls is essentially Stranger Things with time travel. Um, but it's Brian Kavon of Saga, and uh, he's uh, beginning to hit into some of the big media stuff because uh, he's been tapped to work on the Gundam uh, movie adaptation. And I thought he had worked on some other TV scripts as well. I think he worked on Lost. Was he lost? Okay, um, oh, wow.
2: I'm I hope the... he doesn't claim that. <laughs> well, he was uh, on. I think he was on the the writing team. I've been watching the um, the Hulu Runaways mm. TV series, which, and I only read like maybe the first two trades of of the comic. Um, so, I uh, as far as I can tell, they're they're honoring. They're doing a, a considerable, considerably good job honoring the TV show. He, I think he's involved as an executive producer. But I want to say that. I mean, they're following his Bible. Uh, I don't think he's writing individual scripts. Right. So. And that was a good show. I think it didn't. I'm almost. Done I think with
4: the people aren't season. necessarily giving it the recognition. Hmm. Because it's, you know,
2: it's just a, it's a teen superhero kind of thing. It is. But, you know, and it's, it's not about. So, are all the CW um, superhero yeah. shows, but it's not about pretty people. Um, mm-hmm. I watched the first seasons, two seasons of uh, Freeform's Cloak and Dagger, and thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, season one was great. Yeah. I need to see season two. And, um, and, I, and I'm almost done with the second season of Runaways. And um, yeah, they're kids, and they have kid issues, and they're also very privileged because they're all in Los Angeles. Um, but uh, there are some, the more. I think there's some realistic there's some realistic tonality to it. And there's some authenticity to these kids that I appreciate. And I think that's what always has bugged me about the CW shows, is they just feel like really slick-looking soap operas. And I don't have a lot of patience for that. But right.
4: the contrast is, I think the CW shows do a better job than the DC movie universe is well, doing. I'm not going to disagree sure. with you. And, and I'm excited. See, <laughs> uh, The CW is about to start Batwoman, mm-hmm. which actually looks like... It could be really could be good, interesting, yeah. yeah. Like I, and that should be starting, I think, in August. Yeah, I, I don't 100%. even know. It's really soon. Um, like I'm excited for it, though.
2: I do recommend giving both Cloak and Dagger and um, and the Runaways uh, a look. See if you haven't already. Um, I kind of feel like there are times where I'm like, should I be able to relate to this as a 53-year-old guy? Then it's really targeted. I'm not the audience, but I think it's an indication of of the the writing is is really solid. Is that I like these kids in both these shows. I care about what's happening to them. I like watching their growth as characters. So I think that's a testament to to good writing. So I'm trying to...
1: Brew Baker and, and uh, Brian K. Vaughn both basically started getting um, a lot of television work at the same right. time. Brew I think, got some credits for um, What Are the Robots in the Wild West Land? Westworld? Westworld. I haven't watched it. I, um, They're called be, Hosts. That's hosts. right. I gotcha. Hosts in Westworld. But I think Brubaker also just got a uh, new Amazon show as well. Mm. So there's just this proliferation of these guys is beginning. An, do you know, is it a new property?
2: Are they adapting one of his new, multiple? And new property, one? and I'm trying okay. to find it out with my new fangled, old fangled Because <laughs> uh, you, you think that any Brubaker miniseries... From criminal to fade out would be perfect for. It should be easy to yeah. do too. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't because be surprised he them like with you know like screenplays. Yeah. Well, I
4: wouldn't be surprised if those have been bought up. They just haven't made it to production really stage good point. yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like every. I think I said this in earlier is like with the streaming wars happening, like these comic You've book. Gotten the streaming <laughs> war has yeah. <laughs> these the you know they're just they're buying up as much comic book property as possible.
1: It's true. It too, is true. Too old to die young, which sounds like the most Brubaker story you could think of. Absolutely.
2: It um, could be film noir. It could be in the fi- <laughs> in the far future.
1: Yeah. Dystopic reality.
2: I've heard bad things
1: about it so far,
2: but oh, it's dear. happening. So, okay.
1: you know, so we're just getting into that phase now where everything's getting snatched up and all the creators, That's Kirkman true. signed a multi-million dollar contract with Amazon because they're going to be doing a animated version of Invincible. That's right. So it's just like okay. Non stop comic book content. Left on the comic stands. Yeah. Um,
0: there is no release date for Amazon's paper girls, but uh, Stephanie Folsom, who co wrote Toy Story Four, will pen the adaptation. Interesting. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. So Vaughn is not uh, he's gonna executive produce it, but he will not write it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, another uh, Amazon uh, property that which is currently on the air, I believe, is The Boys.
1: Right.
4: Is uh, has anybody watched The Boys? Not yet. No. I haven't started yet. I actually, I wanted to, but it like escaped me that it already started. Right.
1: I got a good it. review from a customer so far, mm-hmm. so I'm hopeful. Um, I like Carl Urban. It's just that there's something about it that will make me eternally sad, which is the main character was patterned to be Simon Pegg, and it's taken so long mm-hmm. to do this mm-hmm. that you Simon Pegg is too old to,
2: to play <laughs> himself. Also, <laughs> oh, all oh, the characters no. are European in the comic book, isn't? Oh, no. Okay, correct me. Uh, when you say the older characters, well, the Frenchman obviously. So there's the Frenchman and uh, there's and the female. We, and Huey is. We, Huey, okay, okay. And I thought that um, Butcher, Butcher Baker. I thought Butcher was British. No, he is. Okay, yeah, okay. So sorry, and then I were was leaving because uh, I was thinking the of woman? well,
1: I was thinking of the uh, the bad guys. So oh no, so no, the boys, the main
2: characters, our protagonists, okay. are all... And I doubt that they they were cast as European or or probably not uh, UK. Um, uh, origin, characters, background. Right, I
1: feel
4: like in the... I've only seen the trailer, and I feel like there's accents and stuff there.
1: I think okay. I
4: think they're being a little more true than...
1: Yeah, I think know, Carl otherwise. Urban might have had a little bit of an accent. I can't quite remember it, though.
4: Isn't but, he, like,
0: Australian or something? or? Urban?
1: Urban? I don't think so
4: He's not American, is he? Which is still a territory of the British yeah, Not really <laughs> so, okay. not really There's
2: a penal <laughs> I mean um, He'll always be He'll always be uh We should look him up me? on IMDB yeah. Now I'm super curious yeah. Because okay, well. uh, I've always <laughs> seen, He's always played um, You know, Americentric. You know, he was McCoy He was Judge Dredd In a very Americanized version of Judge Dredd He was that Rohirrin from Lord of the Rings Right you know. Yeah
1: <laughs> That's right, but he was also a character in Thor Ragnarok.
2: Oh, yeah, he was the bad guy. Scourge. Scourge.
1: Yeah, the, or uh, the Executioner.
2: Lion King, Papa up Did bad. they have him be um, American or... Or, no,
4: it was as
1: Guardian, so whatever I, you want to say it was. It's still
4: a little, it's probably his natural accent. It's kind of right. British. So, anyway, but the boys is on Amazon. You yeah. know what else is <laughs> on Amazon? Amazon? We're babbling <laughs> today oh, on
1: the <laughs> Carl Urban podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he's
4: he's he's a Kiwi, he's from New
0: Zealand. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. Good Omens is also on Amazon. Uh, Neil Gaiman, Terry Project Property. I've seen the first couple episodes, I've been really enjoying it.
4: I've seen the whole series and I think they did a really good job they you know it's 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 an it's an intense book there's a lot of fast quick details that do or don't matter because it's fast quick humor Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the show did a really good job of picking and choosing where they were going with that and what they were visually doing with that Casting was great. Like, um, how can you not love David Tennant and Michael Sheen, Michael Sheen? is a
0: fantastic Performer
4: And those two together, their relationship together yep. in that film plays—they play so well off each other. It's actually, I think, it's very good. Um, and I love me some John
0: Hamm because uh, uh, I have like a twelve degrees of Kevin Bacon from John Hamm because a good friend of mine was classmates with him back in St. Louis, and actually still huh. has his phone number. So that's huh. like three degrees. I mean it you know whatever <laughs> however many degrees of Kevin Bacon whatever the game is played I have
4: a number I think of it's degrees six, to damn. Mm-hmm. Uh no it's it's a great it's a great show and I I recommend it and I also another great uh, Neil Gaiman adaptation is the um Ameri- the, the American Gods mm-hmm. program that I think is on Stars. Mm-hmm. can't yep. remember. Does but
0: that I have Ian McShane Yes. Yes. Okay. I've
4: heard of that, but I have
0: not seen it. Is it a
2: spoiler to say he's Odin? I don't think they figured that out. No, no, they... If you've Uh, read the book as many times as I have.
4: Yeah, I think they make it pretty obvious with, like, they kind of say it without saying it, which is kind of the way they do it in the book, too, right? Yeah, right. Like, he has so many names, and he is so... You know, he always alludes to who he is without ever saying it, and I think that's... I think none of the gods really actually say their name. Ah, and, if, and it's been a while since I've read the book, but I kind of
2: feel like it happens that way in the book as well.
1: Hmm. Mm, yeah. Yeah.
2: I can't you, really no, remember. you're right. I think there is a, there's like this tacit understanding as if you, know, you need to know a bit of your mythology going into reading the book. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, but it gets confusing when you meet the old Russian gods who have no names anymore because they're so old they forget who they are. Right. The one who, that wants to bludgeon um, uh, Shadow to death as, you know, as part of the ritual um yeah uh, i can't remember the actor's name who plays him i've only seen the first season and the second season is not out on dvd yet so yeah i haven't for that
4: no i haven't seen the second season I, I
2: love the first season but it's i've read the book multiple times we know that neil Gaiman's is my favorite writer so
1: super quick note ian yeah. mcshane uh i do a google search for him when he was younger i saw a picture of him in something recently like just the other day when he was like maybe in his 20s or 30s uh, smoldering <laughs> like every yeah. every picture of him is just like are you a model ian mcchain
2: <laughs> i can't think of that because what that doesn't was show that he did that was um from the bbc show that was on AE for so many years it was about he was the art thief ooh i don't know
4: i don't know, I don't know, know but i want to know i want to see yeah, it was a
2: really popular tv yeah. series um, I can't think of the name of it. Now.
0: Anyway, um, uh, tune into our Ian McShane podcast. <laughs> Speaking of Neil Gaiman, Sandman's heading to Netflix.
1: Right.
4: I I think there's. I'm. Oh, I think it'll fellow. be good, but I'm. I'm nervous with with yeah. any property that people have so much love for. You always have <laughs> to handle. It. Like I'm always so
2: nervous. It could go one way or the other. Like it's gonna be tough because. Um, so much about Sandman is 90s-era goth tone. Right. I
4: think there's a place for that now. you
2: think? Because I, mean, I'm, I'm just, I think now it can be visually right, so realized
1: the yeah. right way. Um, and the trick is I'm a little more hopeful of them doing it than Time Warner doing it. Because oh, sure. it means that the Netflix executives are like, we are willing to pay whatever money we need to license this. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to put the effort into it. Whereas Time Warner would be like, herp a we got this. Yeah. Let's just put something together. Well, and uh, the nerds will like whatever we do. And yeah. to that case,
4: let's get Zack Snyder on it. They've actually tried to make this. In the past, Time Warner's tried to make this. Yeah. They, they tried to make it as a TV show once, and that mm-hmm. fell through. They tried to make it as a movie once. That fell through. Mm-hmm. And it's just been in this weird limbo for a very long time. Well,
2: and there was a locally produced uh, Sandman film that was successfully kickstarted started um, several years ago here in Seattle. Um, I met a couple of people who were in it, and Warner came down on it like a ton of freaking bricks. They had... They had gotten their funding together. They had the cast. They were all ready to go. They had production photos and everything. I met one of the guys who was actually playing Morpheus because he was playing in the band that was in a play I was in. Um, yeah, I think it's the same group.
4: But I feel like they should do it anyways. This should be like the next Karen Carpenter story where like they just do it with Barbies and stuff and yeah, change the brilliant. name and like VHS it. Um, like, that'd be
2: well, great. Well, with, with yeah, yeah. Gaiman, um, he's going to be in the driver's seat on this as far as I know. So I'm hopeful that way. But yeah, the whole look of it. will also bear in mind that like the same stories are part anthology and part, um, gothy drama so yeah. it's not always about morpheus and the endless there are other stories about people <laughs> hey, yes i'm playing with toys you totally derailed me right now ah, no. um, uh, yeah so i'm really curious I, I can't imagine they're going to try and capture the tone <laughs> of the comic book i i i think i would have more faith if they tried to find their own tone with the stories um, yeah, I I can't imagine the character's looking like, you know, because Morpheus would have big shaggy Robert Smith hair and pasty skin and black eyes. See, I think
1: it mostly falls on how they cast death and how mm. they do the Corinthian. Mm. They can get those two notes done right, yeah, most of it will follow.
2: Yeah, okay. Cool.
0: Anyway, I think the TV show you were referring to where Ian McShane played an art dealer or art stealer was Lovejoy? Yes, it was Lovejoy. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, was he smoldering? Key? He was kind of smoldering. Very uh, smoldering. Uh, yeah, yeah, look at that. Check that Meanwhile, out. Well back on the Very, very 1980s uh, BBC heartthrob. And finally, Agents of Shield
2: is going to end with season seven. Yeah. Who watches Agents of Shield? You know, I do. Sadly, I lost track of it around season three, and I have it in my Netflix queue, intending to get back and rewatch because I actually really enjoyed it. You know, I. I think um, I made it through season five. Did I job? made it through yeah. the end of the Hive
1: villain. Um, I want to say that's four, that maybe
4: four? four or five.
1: I don't know what season they're currently on. So they, the the last six, place right? I got to, I they were six. kidnapped and they wake up in space.
4: Yeah. So so space would have been so you're one season behind where they're currently at.
1: That's not bad. Okay.
4: Yeah. That's you're not like bad a for me. Season and a half behind. Okay. It's. Uh, I have to say, like, when Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. first came out, you know, the idea was it was going to be, you know, ABC, right? ABC did it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. ABC was like, oh, this is going to be complimentary to all the Marvel movies coming out, and there's going to be some sort of reference.
1: it will be connective tissue. Yeah, and
4: it didn't get the kind of audience that I think that they wanted, and it was actually hard to make it relevant to the movies that were coming out, and I think, like after season 3 like season 4 or something like that when they started just being like let's just do our own thing. Yeah. I think it got better, yeah.
2: to be honest. Like but yeah. I I missed them introducing like Ghost Rider and I thought, didn't I hear a rumor that they eliminated Ghostwriter from the storyline because it was too expensive to produce the effect? I wouldn't be surprised yeah. because because it's a network TV show. I mean, it that had was the other thing. It's not. A, it's yeah, they looked okay. It's not a yeah. streaming service TV show. It was a network television. Right. That's
1: why the the main villain, the Hive, is from a Jonathan Hickman comic, mm. is a big old tentacle face monster, and he only showed up with the tentacle face for like ten seconds. Yeah, oh, dear. You know, and then he went back to the main actor, who I do like. So I'm like, okay, that's fine, that's but. It, fine. But honestly, that's a that's a smart
4: production slash storytelling model. It's oh, yeah. like I would say that's almost like the Hitchcockian, sh- you know, like insinuate but don't show it. Yeah, which we're also, yeah. you know, we talked about The Walking Dead and all these things. Like, we're so used to this gratuitous visual aspect. It's right, like we've, our our audience and customers are a little smarter than that. Like, we've give also a little... lost
2: touch with creating under constraints. Yeah, and there's a lot to be said. When you are creating under a budgetary limitation. Um, Roger Corman was never indicate any indication of what you could do creatively with no money. He just But didn't he really also spend any never
4: money. took into effect inflation. He's like, I don't care, my budget is this. Yes. Yeah.
0: Meanwhile, the Mandalorian on Disney Plus has a fifteen million dollar <laughs> per oh episode God, budget. Is that right? Per <laughs> episode? Per episode. Episode. Well, yes, this came out last week. That's
4: the other side of it, too, is everybody's trying to make the next Game of Thrones or the next whatever. Yeah. And I, I have to say this that people are buying up, you know, comic book properties, which are in essence serial publications, right? Yeah. It makes sense that it works best for television, ongoing series. Yeah. And this is like a new age of television, and everybody's grabbing for the next big thing. Yeah. You know? yeah. So the budgets are. Getting up there And I don't know What that's gonna mean For the cost of All of our streaming <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I,
4: I'm, I'm, I'm
0: debating man Because I subscribe To Amazon Prime Netflix And HBO but when Disney Plus comes out, I'm like, well, that's. Got I a heard lot of that stuff they're going to start at
4: six dollars a month.
0: Yeah, it's going to be super cheap too, which is half the cost of what Netflix is now.
4: And everybody has to know that this is not that big of a life hack, but just trade your logins with friends who, <laughs> like, I pay for HBO, I get somebody else's something else. Like, right? right? right like, I'm right. not going to incriminate myself on the internet yeah. slash sure. <laughs> oh. yeah, <that's> right. <laughs> radio waves. But like, you know, it's. Those yeah. are my family, and yes. I'm getting family yeah. logins. We're sharing it. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, I don't know.
0: Anyway, it's a whole big thing. We're going to constantly talk about, talk about um, comic book properties that are on TV because it's a big part of comic book pop culture. We're not going to pretend that those don't exist. But let's throw it back to Ben and Chris and Cole and Nicole. Back to the studio. woo well, that was a terrible thing, wasn't it? Let's move on to Book Report, everybody. Have to
3: drive all you drunk people home.
0: Exactly. That's why God I'm invented fly. Lyft. All right. Let's start Book Report off with Chris Casso. What do you want? Uh, we will do what, the. What do you got
1: for us? <coughs> what do we got? What do, what we do we want? you want? Sir? That's a long list there. <laughs> uh, existential Terror and Teen Angst. Uh, so I'm still kind of catching up to things from like, what, 2016, 2015? Um, the Motherless Oven by Rob Davis and published by Self made hero and uh it is weird it yeah. is uh basically it's following this kid uh, this teenager named scarper lee and in this world uh parents don't make children children create their parents and so like parents are like these horrible machines or pieces of paper mache and they just look like they look like Jim Henson nightmares. Mm. I love it. And then the weather is weird. Like sometimes it's nine o'clock and it just starts raining knives and you got to get <laughs> the shelter. And uh, nobody has birthdays. They have death days and everybody's death day is known. And so Scarpers is in three weeks time. And, uh, but he's got to go to school still and da, 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 da. And, but there's a new girl in school and she's very weird and she starts kind of rocking the boat. And uh, there's, there's these things called kitchen gods. And basically there's like in school you could take god science. And like there's a god for making sure you can make a perfect three-minute egg and a god for uh, lullabies and whatever. And so uh, the world is a set size and she wants to go out of the, uh, the border. And she thinks that might maybe you know change things up for them she's she's basically an agent of chaos and scarper at this point is just kind of like so apathetic about stuff he's like "Uh, okay she's kind of interesting um so you kind of get the oh another great thing is uh the school just has like lions that they let loose on the school grounds randomly and everybody's like yes the lions careful and then like some and there's like a report from the principal being like tragically one of the lions died during knife o'clock we forgot to get him in in time Aww. uh so stuff like that uh and yeah uh there's people putting up like posters for uh bands but they're not bands they're basically the news done in poster form like vera pike in the heels and like vera pike is the girl that they're following and uh they're reporting all the delinquency that they're doing as posters on the bus stop. So it's just a weird world. So think of think of just Jim Henson nightmares hmm. and done kind of with like a interesting kind of Brit UK sensibility. It sounds
2: like what would happen if Grant Morrison dropped a lot of acid and got his hands on Deadly Class.
1: Kind of, yeah.
2: <laughs> it's kind of like if I actually liked Peter Milligan scripts.
1: Um, sure. It's like the, that kind of ideas and storytelling. Mm. I like Peter Milligan ideas. I don't like his scripts. So uh, Rob Davis hit it out of the park with me, and uh, it's very depressing. It's very interesting. Um, it's just got a lot of cool concepts and weirdness. So if you're in a mood for that, uh, Motherless Oven, nineteen ninety-five. Pretty good price for it. Cool. All right, thank you, Chris. I'm going to go next. Yay! Uh,
0: I haven't done a book report in a while, so forgive me as I suffer through this, but I uh, read The Rocketeer from Dave Stevens, and uh, I picked this up because I'm part of a performance group here in Seattle called the Rocket Men, and uh, so oh, it's kind of the same aesthetic. I want to see what's going on here. And of course, The Rocketeer was a movie that came out in 19 2000. Mm, mm, no, 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 no. 1980s. No. no, no, 1991.
3: No, no, no.
1: no, it came out the same time Terminator 2 came out. The same. All right. It's uh, so like 94 like or something oh, okay. like that. Um, Maybe earlier. Two?
0: Ooh. Anyway, name. so anyway. It's it's a story <laughs> where right. the main character, he basically steals the Rocket Man outfit. He's a um he's a he's a a, a barn buster, what are they called? He's a, a pilot who flies barnstormer. and uh, barnstormer. That's the word. Thank you. Go. Cool. He flies and does shows, and uh, through a series of events, he steals this rocketeer outfit and and becomes a sort of a hapless hero. And uh, along the way, he he's got this girl, and he's constantly going after the girl. Betty Page? Yeah, it's which is a very a very Betty Page-ish uh, representation. In fact, it's just straight up Betty Page. He
1: met Betty Page when she was uh, in uh, in her later years and like hel- helped her with her groceries and stuff. Yeah. So he loved Betty Page. Yep. Yeah. So there's, there's a, a
0: it's a, it's sort of a mixture of like, you know, cartoony space action or or flight action but mixed in with some quasi realism artwork. Um, every once in a while, you're, you'll just come across a panel that's just like, you know, it's like Dave spent, you know, the entire day working on that one's face. And the facial expressions are pretty good. The big problem I had with this, uh, with the book, wasn't so much the, um, you know, the young man's tenacity in chasing after his girl. Um, was that it's it, for me, there's so much happening on each page that I my eyes got lost in trying to read it, and I found myself reading it incorrectly because the because the panel the word balloon placement is not does not follow a logical course like it does with many comics, and so that actually took me out of the story quite a bit because I'm like, what? Well, who am I? Where am I supposed to read? Did I just read that wrong? And I'm like, why did I read a comic wrong? <laughs> but um, and it's very. A lot of like very you know Betty Page pin-up poses and it you know felt like a fourteen year old boy drew this every every once in a while, um, but yeah I mean it, it's you know it's full of action it's got it's got that nice you know uh, nineteen sort of twenties thirties aesthetic and so I feel like that kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, but yeah it's it's and every once in a while you come across a panel and it's like oh okay this is you know, a uh, young man's pinup fantasy comic book. Um, but the art is really great. And mm. I just like Dave, just put the word balloons in a more logical uh, location. Or
3: set the panels up better because there are some breaks like, yeah. where they go further down or something like the,
0: that. Yeah, that like, was I a lot see of somebody it. somebody
3: who's not used to it being mm. confused yeah. by it. I,
0: I got lost it's a lot. It's
1: influenced by a lot of older comic stylings yeah. as mm. well. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
2: he put. Uh, the world had forgotten Betty Page until this comic book came out. Oh yeah. The reason why you know who she is right now is because of that of house in North Seattle. <laughs> well, <laughs> possibly, but I would ha- I would say that the folks in North Seattle, um, you know, they were part of the research or the right. discovery of her. Yeah, yeah, the creation the of her fandom came from that book. Okay. Um, and Stevens really had no interest in making comics. He wanted to make movies. And Rocketeer was originally his pitch for a film that he couldn't get off the ground, so he decided to turn it into a comic book to help improve that. But he really had no aspirations of being a comic book artist or creator. And at the time, that book had an amazing impact on people, and they were they were crazy about. For it. not wanting
0: to be a comic artist, the comic art is really fantastic. It
1: is. He didn't get much um, published in the long run because he was too much of a perfectionist in certain mm-hmm. ways. Yeah. And he would, uh, like, people would commission work from him and it would take forever to get it from him because yeah. he was like, it's not ready, it's not ready. Um,
2: His so, yeah. dream came true when they when they finally produced the film, but he, he could never get any other projects off the ground. And I think he begrudgingly went back to actually creating more Rocketeer stories because he unintentionally found an audience for that. Yeah. The other beauty of the book is that he is, a, as Chris said, he was a stickler for detail, but he's also like a hardcore historian uh, for the thirties and forties. And some of the characters that are in the book are directly lifted from Doc Savage, man of bronze, Um, You recognize the Rondo Hatton uh, character. So Stevens had this love of big bands, of the music, the style. He just was all about that stuff. And Chris, I think, mentioned earlier, um, the story was always, uh, you know, Betty Page disappeared. Um, She went underground, and she had no idea. I don't think she had an inkling until... Um, Robin Leach found her for an episode of his TV series. He actually tracked her down. Life Stores of the Rich and Famous. Yes, yeah, that's, that's, he that found a her. That's terrible yeah. Robin Leach accent. Yeah, but it was <laughs> close. Cool. We got it, though. Um, and um, and Stevens always said, whenever Betty shows up, I have a check for her. <laughs> and he had, he had kept... He wanted her to have a part of the cut of the store using her, for losing her likeness because she lost – I mean, she had no rights to the uh, Urban Claw uh, movie reels, the pictures, anything, and – when her image became popular my goodness the 80s were full of betty page paraphernalia yeah, it actually, i know cuz i owned most of it,
0: it in the back <laughs> in the back it ends on a bit of a downer actually the uh, the the bio in the back but it says in particular his his breathy portrayals and that's a good way to put it of cliff's girlfriend betty inspired by famed pinup queen betty page helped revitalize interest in the 50s icon a fact openly acknowledged by page who became close friends with stevenson in her final years and on march 11th 2008 Steven's lost a long battle against leukemia so I just got done reading this book and then I'm like oh there's a little tiny obituary in the back yep all right uh, cool. if
3: you want to know more about Betty Page there is Betty Page reveals all which is a really good documentary I watched
2: mm-hmm. excellent and, yeah. and there yeah. is cool. a there's a biopic that could have been stronger um, it was made probably about Twenty years ago, Rocketeer. The film came out in ninety one. Ninety one. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on. Cole Hornaday. What do you want to you tell us? The Betty about? Page Podcast. <laughs> exactly. Page got to be one out there because um, you can talk about it quite a bit. <laughs> okay. Well, in honor of the upcoming Netflix prequel series uh, based on Jim Henson's Dark Crystal. I thought I'd trot out an old uh, uh, a book that I have been dragging around for years. It was done by uh, the lead designer for the Dark Crystal, Brian Froud, also known for um, uh, Labyrinth and a couple other cool things. But back in 1994, Five, uh, Brian Frown and uh, Monty Python uh, team member Terry Jones did this wacky little book called Lady Coddington's Pressed fairy book and this is I have had numerous copies of this Um, it seems to be one of those books that when I run out of money and I sell books to (laughs) bookstores that's something I think people can even do anymore Um, I would uh, I would actually get rid of my copy of of Lady Coddington's and then get another one Uh, but this is the 10th and 3 quarter anniversary edition (laughs) Um, so it's made to it's got this nice kind of uh, padded uh, cover so it's, it's, it's like an old journal or drawing book and inside uh, is uh, Lady uh, Coddington's journal starting from when she's a little girl in the, early, in the uh, late 1800s? Uh, and um, you know, her, one of her pastimes is to go around squishing fairies <laughs> in her book. Um, and she, uh, you know, it starts out and she's uh, written, um, it's written in a very childlike uh, script. Uh, And her descriptions of of trying to squish the fairies and she's she's very vividly describes walking around and going Splat! And getting the fairies. (laughs) So this edition um, uh, is uh, actually, uh, got. it came with a DVD, which I've not watched yet. Believe it or not, I found this at a used bookstore, and it still had, like, the window sticker of the press fairy. But all editions of this book came with a section that was bound solely for grown-ups, excuse me, sealed by Lady Coddington for the protection of the innocent. And it's like, you know, just fairies (laughs) in their bare bottoms and their bare... Boobies. Um, the, reading the text is really just kind of a waste of time. And I know that's Joan's contribution, but it doesn't really do anything. And in fact, there are parts of it that are kind of um, rapey mm. because. Lady Coddington would apparently get possessed by these fairies and then have sexual liaisons with people that she didn't mm. want to have. Fairies
3: are really naughty.
2: Yeah, so it's yeah, it's fairies doing naughty things, and and but it's kind of hard to say. Well, she deserved that because she was squishing them. Because you, you can see why I'm having trouble with this. The other thing that's interesting to note is that Lady Coddington, the whole concept, is actually lifted from. Um, uh, the Coddington, uh, excuse me, the, uh, the Cottingley Ferry Mystery, going back to uh, 1917. I don't know if you guys know this story, but it was it was one of the oldest uh, 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 mysteries because back in the day, there were two young girls who, and their with their, I believe, with their governess, took a series of photographs that were faked. But, of course they didn't have that technology back in the day to prove that they were faked in fact the the images this is the right this is the the, the, the spiritualist movement was all the rage and and uh, people like Arthur Conan Doyle who was a big proponent of, uh, of spiritualism and JM Barry and other people um, they were taken in by this this is their actual proof these cutting Cottingly, I always get it mixed up. Coddington is my book, Coddingly <laughs> is the event. They didn't disprove these that these these images until many was, was decades Was it images later. of fairies? Yeah. yeah. So it's the little girls posing with these fairies. Mm-hmm. And you look at them, it, go look them up on the interwebs. Mm-hmm. They're all over the place. They look fake, but because they were on plates and not negatives, they had no way to like, but this was like con- this convinced the spiritualists of the day that there was another realm of reality that we couldn't see that, that ghosts were real and that fairies have always been among us. Um, oh yeah. And there's, there's a film that I is one of my favorite films called, um, Photographing Fairies that stars F. Murray Abrams. It was made back in the early 90s. Uh, I've only been able to find it... it on uh, VHS and um, it's never made the transition to DVD. I think you can get it on iTunes. Um, And it's one of my all-time favorite films. It is very dreary, but it kind of tells the story of of the Coddington Fairy mystery in a real context. Um, This is just a whimsy little thing. Fraud's artwork is astounding. And you know, if you've ever spent any time looking at the artwork he did for Labyrinth or Dark Crystal, or looked at the way they translated this... his designs into the puppets and, and both those movies. Um, he's an extraordinary uh, creator. I don't think this is necessarily one of his best works. It's fun. It's kind of h- nice to have in your collection if you like these kind of nerdy things. But I think it kind of behooves you to also know what inspired the story in the first place and go back and look at that weird period of history. So Cool. Well, thank you, Cole. And finally, Nicole, what do you got for us?
3: Uh, to add to your stuff, I'm a huge Brian Froud fan. Yes. He does a divination deck of fairies that's really good, even if you don't care about divination. Yes. Um, really gorgeous. He's also made a fairy hardcover book that has a lot of the same art. Mm-hmm. And he's also been in some of the w- encyclopedia of the Dark Crystal, which they're all nice hardbound Were things. you
2: familiar with this book? I wasn't. Okay. I wasn't,
3: but uh, I love his stuff. So, do you, yeah.
2: do you think you need this book now? hmm <laughs>
3: I want to look at it though later after I talk about this ridiculous comic Peter (laughs) Porker (laughs) Spider Ham the spectacular Spider Ham it's a Spider-Man annual but it's really a Spider-Man annual presenting this which is just confusing in and of itself yeah Uh, so there's a lot of different people who are on this I think it's mostly written by Jason Latour Um, where's the thing that I need oh and Clayton Cowell Cowell's no that's recap design You know what? I don't know. There's people in here, Phil Lord, Christopher Miller, David LaFuente, which is really good art in there, and Rico Renzi. Um, So this is just following Spider-Ham. There is this um, ringmaster who is the circus of crime, and he's causing lots of trouble. There's crime lions, there's crime bears, and oh my God, there's crime clowns. Um, There is a lot of painful puns, as there needs to be in a Peter Parker comic, he is from the universe three eight one one, I think, the Marvel universe. So he's you know in a multiverse that doesn't necessarily where Peter Parker is. He was Aunt May's uh, pet spider who was bitten by radioactive pig, <laughs>
1: yeah. and he turned
3: into uh, Spider Ham, Spider Pig, Spider Ham Pig. Um... <laughs> Okay, so I got this because I love Peter Porker, um, but I, I had to take about three or four breaks <laughs> reading this comic because it was so fantastic <laughs> that it was really painful. We
1: should point out that their version of Spider-Gwen...
3: Oh, my God, so I'm going to get there. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> because that was my favorite thing. Okay. So everybody in this world is anthropomorphic. Everybody is an animal, except that um, there's the real Spider-Gwen and the real Miles Morales that... That show up uh, at certain points in here, um, but I really felt. Um, let me see if I can, find, if I can find this. Um, there were some really great moments. First of all, J. Jonah Jameson in this in this book is um, J. Jonah Jackal or something like that. Uh, dang it! I should have bookmarked this. I know I should have done it. Okay, distract me with Spider Gwen. Go talk about it. Uh, uh,
1: <laughs> oh, to talk about her. Okay. <laughs> yeah, talk about uh, she It's is. a penguin, yes. and so her name is Spider gwen spider gwen spider gwen <laughs>
3: yes yeah. oh Very my god i love it
1: also there's uh, uh there's a winter horse it's basically bojack horseman but it's, if he's the winter yes
3: horse. and he says who the hey is bucky he's like yelling at the screen bucky <laughs> barnes horseman
1: yeah Bucky yeah. Barnes Horseman.
3: i still can't find it okay daily beagle boss the daily beagle mm-hmm. uh j jonah jackal and he looks really great as a jackal it's actually really pretty pretty perfect um but there's just there's just this moment pretty much peter porker is trying to like find his way he's gone adrift which seems to be a theme in my comic books recently um and he's just trying to find his way any way he can and then there's these villains that are showing up um one so so everybody has a different name peter porker is clearly one of them um dr uh victor von doom is dr doom um, which nice. is very, very painful. And he said, he, <laughs> he yells at somebody, and soon Doom's heels shall waddle upon Spider-Ham's grave. So it's like you get things like that, and it's, yeah, it's painful. But there's definitely a point that I can't find, I'm just not going to tonight, hmm. that we felt really, really targeted at me. I felt attacked, <laughs> and it was really great. Um, Oh, he also has these great nightmares where he is an ant and he yells, Aunt May. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's really good. Anyway, I would would overall recommend this comic, but it is painfully punny. The art is really, really good. I think the only thing that I just was like, "Eh, I don't really want to read this, was the last uh, little story, A Secret Roar Rages, which was written by Phil Lord, Christopher Miller, and Jason Latour. And the art uh, was by Jason Latour. I, I mean, the art was fine, but um, the story was just—it was a, so he's a parody, right? But then it was a parody of a parody of a parody in the back, and and like Marvel does that all the time, and I usually enjoy those, but it was really, really, really like no, this is not funny anymore. <laughs> like I wanted to slap it out of their hand, kind of thing, because it was just like we do reboots, and this is gonna reboot again, and I'm like, it's not funny. <laughs> So that was the only thing that i think i was really mad about but otherwise uh it was it was very enjoyable um and and there was a lot of laughter from me not necessarily because the jokes were funny (laughs) so if you want something super peter porkery this is definitely something to check out um and then yeah you can always go back there reprinting the original one that he came into so so yeah peter Porker. Sorry, that was all over the place.
0: And I love how Spider-Man is the nose. It's just Spider-Man's face is his nose. Pretty much, his little snout.
3: Yeah, it's pretty great.
0: It's pretty great. Cool. Well, thank you, Nicole. Well, that is Book Report, and that is quiz, uh, And that is... (laughs) Book Report, that's book? our show, but coming up is quiz time. But before we go, it's good. We've done so many of these tonight. Oh, <laughs> We're Lord. We're all a little tired. I'm it's just okay. going to do that again. Thank you, Nicole. Well, that is Book <laughs> Report, and that is our show coming up is quiz time. But before we go, I want to tell you that the Perfect Bound podcast is brought to you by The Panel Jumper. See everything Cole Hornaday and I do at thepaneljumper.com, where we are a thick in pre-production for the next episode of The Panel Jumper, coming your way September 27th at the next Panel Jumper Live. That's the first message, the first, um, first mention blog. of that. Yes, uh, many more to come, as well as Comics Dungeon here at 319, 319 Northeast 45th Street in beautiful downtown Wallingford, or 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, at comicsdungeon.com. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, or however you get your podcasts at perfectboundpodcast.com. Send us an email, perfectboundpodcast at gmail.com. And our friends get your quiz hats on, it's quiz time this week. The questions come to us from me. This is about superhero drinks. Uh, Supercall.com had a listicle of which drinks you should drink based on your favorite superhero. And though the connections are merely a thin play on words, and I've not heard of many of these, so it's possible the writers at Supercall.com made these up, let's see if you can guess a superhero based on these drink names. Number one, Singapore Sling. Plastic Man? No. Sling is the operative word here. Sling is Spider-Man. Number two, Black Manhattan. Dr.
2: Dr. Manhattan.
0: No Batman. But Dr. Manhattan's a better answer. See, this listicle is dumb. (laughs) Number three, Rum Runner. The Flash? The Flash, yes. Number four, Rocket Fuel. Rocketeer? Um, No. Though that's an it-that's- that's- I will accept that. The answer (laughs) they have is Iron Man.
1: Number five. Just call a drink the Iron Man because he's alcoholic. (laughs) Number five. <laughs> Tony Stark. Yeah.
3: It's just a, a bottle, like, half empty.
0: <laughs> Dead soldiers. No. Uh, that's a terrible thing to say. <laughs> that's a terrible thing to say. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, number five. Fish House Punch. Aquaman? Aquaman is correct. I've got two more. Number six. White Russian. Uh, Black Widow? Oh, yes, Black oh, Widow. Oh, okay, yeah. And finally, number seven. Whiskey Smash. Oh, Oh, that was a terrible quiz time. (laughs) Yeah, but you did your best. Thank you for listening. We will see you next week.
1: (laughs) Those are Uh, terrible names. Yeah. (laughs)